on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Business to me is a game. I want to win and not in a way that I want to, I want to defeat you. You're my competitor. I want to defeat you. But just like in good sportsmanship, I want to do it honestly with integrity and I want to be competitive, you know? Yeah. So I I think legacy and love of the game is drives me still to this day. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody, Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings, Tom Casey, welcome to the stage, my man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Our little intro call was not enough. I needed more of your story. So that's awesome. why you're here. But tell us what business that you're in and, uh, and and what do you bring to the table here today? I'm in the home service business. HVAC and plumbing is my primary focus. I've been doing it for three generations. I like to say I'm a third generation SOB, son of a boss. So yeah, it's in yeah. my blood. That's awesome, man. I appreciate the perspective there. Being a first time or first generation entrepreneur myself, I have some hope to be able to pass some things on to my kids. Um, right. So it's a little bit of a reverse. But so you're in the home services and obviously you're crushing it because otherwise I wouldn't uh, have offered you to a spot on the show. But give us a like at this level, right? Because you've been doing this for a minute. You, you were pretty humble in that quick response, but you're a pretty successful individual. Why are you still doing it? Why are you still pushing? What motivates you now? Well, it's a good question. I think because I've been doing it for for more than a minute or two, a lot of it now is legacy. I have employees who are my kids' ages, so now you're you're kind of paying it forward. People did it for me. Everybody wants to get to the Hall of Fame, whatever their trade is. You want to sure. you want to be the goat of something, but really, what you want to do is change people's lives. So that's a big motivator for me. Money is important. Don't get yep. me wrong, but money is not the motivator. I think anybody who's truly successful and satisfied in their life, money won't be the, the it factor. I've never heard of anybody on their deathbed saying, I wish I had a thousand more dollars. Sure. It's about the relationships and, and stuff like that. And part of that leads to uh, the love of the game. Honestly, I love I love business. I love it. Business to me is a game. I want to win and not in a way that I want to, I want to defeat you. You're my competitor. Right. I want to defeat you. But just like in uh, good sportsmanship, I want to do it honestly with integrity and I want to be competitive, you know? Yeah. So I, I think legacy and love of the game is drives me still to this day. I love it. Which both of those can, I'm sure probably for you, drove you way before seven figures, but they could drive you at any moment in the game. And I relate to you on both of those. In fact, Gary Vee, I heard him on the podcast just the other day say that it's not that I, I don't want you guys to win. He's like, but I want everything that I do to be better than what you guys do. But at the same time, if you guys are crushing it, I'm going to applaud you, man, because it's like sports, like you said. Like we need to be able to shake hands at the end of the day and say, "Hey, great job, great game. Let's meet up for the donation event." You know, next Thursday. <laughs> Correct. That rivalry in sports is what drives the great sports competitions of all time: Yankees, Red Sox, Tar Heels, Blue Devils. I mean, you name any sport, there's always going to be yeah. uh, the greatest games are those ones where the rivals 
and they respect each other. So right. no animosity. It's just total. That's for me. So maybe my competitors don't feel that way about me. Uh, <laughs> one awesome. of my thoughts is I want to be both feared and respected by my competitors. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to drown them under because yeah. without good competitors, I won't get better. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that perspective too. And I think that what you just said there means a lot to the individual that you are. It's not just about the winning at all costs. It's about winning and a rising tide raises all ships. And so I uh, love that respected piece. I agree with you on that for sure. So Tom, take us back. You've got, you've got a long history here. And so I want to be able to dive into as much as you'll give us, but where did entrepreneurship start for you? I think it, as long as I can remember, I, I literally can remember being 12 years old, going to the Kroger's and buying a roll of paper tiles and a can of Windex, and then walking out to that same parking lot for 25 cents a car, washing windshields till nice. I recharged my money up and went back in and bought another roll of paper tiles and a bottle of Windex. Now wow. I had pockets full of quarters, so it was yeah. kind of crazy, but <laughs> that was just like, if I want something, I'll earn it. My dad was yeah. a big part of that uh, early on too. If I wanted things, for example, I remember, you know, there was this particular pair of sneakers I wanted and I think they cost 40 bucks, which at the time was a moonshot. Well, you could buy shoes for 12 bucks. So the old man said, I'll contribute 12, you put in the other. And what I did is I I cleaned trucks and washed vans and emptied garbage cans and swept floors. And it just kind of created a link that if I want something more, I have the ability to go get it. And that's how I've pretty much spent my whole life. Yeah, absolutely. And so I love how you obviously played in a role there with your dad and him being willing to come in with you a portion, right? Yep. Do you think that you, you've you done the same things with your kiddos? Because I know, obviously, from us talking and then just me following you on social, that you're you're huge with your sons and all that fun stuff. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so my kids, we'd always said, and I grew up, my dad was a tough guy. It was, it was no, no easy rides there. I think my kids had a lot easier than I did, but it was, I'm obligated to give you unconditional love, roof over your head, three squares a day, a great education and support to be whoever you are. But I'm not obligated to buy you fancy video games and cars and bikes and cool toys and stuff. Some of that stuff is earned. So my kids have always done the same thing where if you uh, you want to go to a certain school, well, here's the bar, I'll pay more. So like my oldest daughter was a scholarship athlete. She had full rides to many, many colleges. She wow. picked one that didn't give her a full ride. So I said, well, let's figure out how we're going to split it because you got a full ride. The old man don't have to pay nothing. right? <laughs> so I, I want you to go where you want to go, but you got to have a little stake in the game. Their cars when they bought them, I was, uh, you save a dollar, I save a dollar. So if you want a really nice car, you'll save more money. Right. If you're okay with a jalopy, I am to a certain extent, as long as it's safe. <laughs> so yeah, that's the way I've operated with my kids. And now uh, my son who's 21, just bought a house the other day, which is amazing. Nice. Yeah. But he worked his butt off. Yep. That's that's incredible. Glad to see that uh, the legacy continues from your dad, right? And really, he got it from my grandparents. It's just kind of fed down the line. Yeah. I mean, success begot success as long as, to your point at the beginning of uh, talking about your dad, like your kids probably had it a little easier, which at some point, the easier becomes like, it's a totally different environment, right? And so I think as entrepreneurs, especially as ones where we didn't have a whole bunch, like a growing up single mom family, not knowing my dad, like it wasn't a whole lot there to pick from. So how do I teach my kids how to, they have so much more than I did already, but to be able to still make decisions based out of the fact that it's not given to them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like my wife and I both have a very hard, hard luck story as kids. And so my dad came in my life later in my life, but you know, I moved out and I was 15. My wife did too. I was going to high school, renting a room in a house, working jobs at night, just scrapping, saving. And so you just get this, this attitude. And so now your kids, you, you probably do the same thing. I want them to have what I didn't have. 
right. which which is valid. I definitely don't want them to live what I lived. Right. But there's somewhat in there that iron sharpens iron. You know, yeah. when you don't have a choice, yeah, but to get and make money to pay your own bills, there's no safety net. You you figure it out. Yeah. So my kids, I want them to know there's always a safety net. You know, and a, a big expression for my kids is always the old one that says, uh, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you land on the star. So I want you to go for the moon yeah. and mom and dad will be here. And we're not going to let you fall and crash and burn and die. But falling down and scraping your knee is pretty good part of, part of the process. So we'll yeah. let you crash the bike a couple of times, but just yeah. make sure you're wearing your helmet, you know? <laughs> totally. No, I respect that hundred percent. I'm actively, you're, you're a couple, couple of years ahead, but I'm actively trying to figure that out with, you know, an eight, six and almost three-year-old, you know? So I think that following guys like you, uh, gives us inspiration of like, okay, how do I do this? You know? So hundred percent. Okay. So lots of decisions made in business. And as I kind of transition here with us, I love to just dive into good and bad choices. Right. And so I think that there's a lot to be said about decisions in general. As business owners, we make a ton of them. So give me an example of a bad decision that you've made that would resonate with someone who, like I told you, most most likely the listener six figures are trying to get to that seven-figure mark. They're trying to get to where you are so I can interview them. And But they're having some struggles, right? So what was it, something that you goofed on that they can maybe get around listening to you? I think there's a couple. One of the ones that I think held me back for a very long time is feeling like I needed to control and do everything. Mm, yep. Uh, I was the bottleneck. And so I became the governor of my success. I was the limiter because there's only so many hours in the day, so many days in a week. And even if you burn the candle at both ends, yeah, you actually become way less effective doing that. So I know we all have to bootstrap that. We have to grind it out to get going. But once yep. you even receive a little bit of success, you just don't, your change doesn't think from bootstrapping and grinding it out in the beginning the longer it takes to change that thinking, to move to the next level and think how you need to think to get to the next level. Yeah. That was, that was one of, one of my mistakes. I think I was a, a, too much of a micromanager. It all has to run through me. I have to invent it all, whatever that right way of saying it is. And the second yeah. thing that I think cost me a lot of money is feeling like I had the Midas touch. When I was successful at something, some core skill that I had, I thought, well, if I'm good at this, I'll be good at that. And that does not always translate. And so you take the the golden goose and then you end up feeding it the wrong things. You make it sick and it stops laying golden eggs for how it used to. Yeah. So between micromanaging and not staying in my lane, those two things kind of are probably the two worst habitual decisions yeah. that I've made yeah. through my career. Yeah. And, and obviously, I think almost everybody listening, at least at some point in their career, if not currently right now, are feeling the effects of what you just said. I can even think of my own situations before I scaled to multiple initial franchises and then even multiple industries. Those things right there uh, were were my bottlenecks as well. So for you, just give us a quick follow up on that. Like, how did you overcome being the bottleneck, the micromanager? You just reach a point sometimes where you're like, I'm working hard. I have a I have a moderate amount of success, but it's not worth it. Yeah. So again, not I said, worth it because you're you're grinding so much, the, and really what you're doing right. it all for is mood anyway. The, the pay it's too much. It costs too much in non money. Costs too yeah. much of health and happiness and family yeah. and missing your kids' game and not getting home for your wife and whatever. And so you you end up yeah. reaching a point where the man in the mirror says, "What are you doing? Is it worth it?" Yeah. And you have to then look outside. And for me. I always kind of looked for books and biographies on things for people who were successful. So I just looked to who I knew who was doing better than me and just said, what am I doing wrong? 
you know, you got to find that mentor, that, uh, the group of people who've kind of been there, done that, got the t-shirt and ask them and, and have humbleness and put your ego aside. I didn't worry about my ego. I just wanted the solution. Tell me what I got to do to get it. And so that was really kind of hitting. I don't want to say rock bottom or it wasn't financially rock bottom. Like I wasn't broke. I didn't live in a crappy house. I wasn't getting evicted. None of those, those things were all good. It was just yeah. quality of life, rock bottom. Yeah. How do I have some success, but I'm still unfulfilled? Yeah. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. Not only can I relate to that, but I'm sure the listener um, is, is peeling this away. So what I, I'm going to just recap this for them as they're paying attention here and taking notes. The quality of life isn't just measured by the house, the car, the truck. It's all the other things that we, that we, we know, we know this, Tom, we know I should be at my kid's basketball game. We know that uh, I should be at home in the evening and, and do a date night with my wife. We know these things, hundred percent. but the story doesn't go that way unless we make it a priority. And that's really what I'm hearing you say is the other things in life are as important, but sometimes when you're in that, that build grind, what I like to call the warrior stage of business, it's really only designed for a period of time so right. that then you can scale up. And we kind of like, we, sometimes it's hard to know when that is. It's, it's scary to make investments, whether it be hiring people or giving things away, like you said. Yep. And, and you've experienced all this from, from personal so. experience. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you, you going through that. Obviously, I think that what you're, you know, and I know you do some consulting and stuff too with, with some home service folks. And so you've probably not only seen this in your business, but in some of your, in your clients as well to where, you know, this is a duplicatable thing. Like, okay, it's okay to be here in this moment, but what we got to do is address it, acknowledge it. And so that way we can move on from this. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So let's switch over to the other side of the coin here and some good decisions that you've made. Tell us the good stuff. Well, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't say one of my best decisions was asking my wife to marry me because she she definitely uh, she fulfills the uh, the statement behind every successful man is an unbelievably great woman. Like, yeah. I don't know how. I'll tell you, I still believe in Santa Claus. I don't know how that stuff gets under the tree, but it's always there, man. <laughs> she is uh, she's phenomenal. So I think the right partner in life and it kind of then translates to the right people. It's always going to be yeah. people decisions. But for me, I think the really the best decision is is just to be grateful every day. And so I believe the success of, of myself is attributable to the people, the decisions I make about people. Okay. And um, the sooner I got better at selecting the right people, that was an accelerator. You cannot do it yourself. You need to have an entire team. And so, you know, the doctor who does heart surgery is the most amazing heart surgeon, but you don't check in the hospital. You don't do the billing. You don't do the prep. You don't sweep the floors. You need an entire team of those people. No matter what size of business of a listener is, there's still yeah. a team. Yeah. And so I think success in picking the right person to share your life with, the success in picking the people around you, those are the good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So for the person who's hearing you and they're like, okay, okay, I got I, you know, I got to get a team. I know this, right? They they know these things, but quickly what jumps into their head is, oh, it's it's hard to find good help, or I can't afford it, or like, you know, all the all the doubt that comes then with excuses, obviously. But what would you say to some of those things that pop up when they they know what you're saying, but it's keeping them from doing it. I don't think they believe it. I think they know it in one way and they say it, but they don't truly believe it in their bones because they do lots of other things that they know and they decide on. And it is fear probably, but it's also, they haven't probably thought through adequately enough what this person will really do. They probably operate on the, if I want something done right, I got to do it myself. Well, let's break it down. Let's let's figure out exactly what you're hiring. Because a lot of us hire in, in the beginning we're building out of desperation. Oh, you you can do this. Oh my God, you're hired. And we just say, go without a clear defined plan. 
would be crazy. McDonald's doesn't do that. McDonald's doesn't trust anything. Everything is a process. And so kind of laying out the role is the first step for me. Like, what is it I really wanted to do? Yeah. What does it look like? Well, how am I going to measure it? How much is it going to cost? Right. What's the, what's, if I don't do it, what does it look like? And the other thing I think about the cost, because the cost is a really tough thing as a small business, right? But I'm going to say this, and in my business, fuel is a major thing. It's like incredibly expensive and it's doubled. Yeah. That's an expense that's, there's no expense in your business that should be your expense. You right. don't have expenses in your business. Your customer has expenses in your business. Yeah. So you need to figure out your numbers and know your numbers, and then you pass it along. So if you need a really great bookkeeper in your business and they cost $55,000, well, then map it out, work your numbers, and charge for the price to pay for the bookkeeper because you can't serve your customers long-term at the best possible way if you don't have this great bookkeeper. Right. And so- Get real clear, which will help eliminate the fear, and then do the math and know what you've got to charge. And even if you want to charge it a little ahead of time, you get a get a runway built. Yep. Start charging for 30 days to get that first little nest egg in. Yeah. Then there's no excuses. But a lot of us, we we want the horse is already out of the barn. Then we're like, I can't afford it because I'm not making money. I'm too right. busy to do the ad. And right. so it's desperation. And then we might have a history of when I made that decision that way, the person was not a good person. It didn't work out. I don't yep. think that's the person's problem. I think that's my responsibility for making a bad hire. So yep. it wasn't clear. And no decision in business should be made without saying, how is this going to get paid for by the customer? Right. Interesting. I love the mindset. So you, you've said several things here. I'm going to try to bullet point some of them, make sure the listener is capturing some of this. So number one, be proactive versus reaction. I mean, that's that's 100%. everything what you just said. You have a marketing plan, you have a budget, you should have a hiring plan. What 100%. are you going to have to hire to hit your budget? Yep. What yeah. if somebody quits? There's an right. expression like, are you guys hiring? Always, yes. all the time, seven <laughs> days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah. Because stuff happens. 100%. So, 100%. So the plan ahead uh, allows you to be proactive, proactive as opposed to reactionary. But but more specifically, I loved how you said, look, what is the what is the need? And then proactively and just simply, logically, break it down. What is it that you need in order to service the customer properly? It doesn't have to be an expense to you. And so obviously that eliminates some of the fear there of like, oh, but I got to raise up my prices and this, that, and the other. But then will people choose me and I won't win as many jobs and all these things come into someone's mind, which those are other mindset issues, right? We all started our business probably working for somebody. We can do it better, cheaper, and we launch and we do great. And then we start hire our first employee and we don't do so great because we never realized once you enter in increasing the level of service costs money. Yeah. If it costs money, then I've got to increase the amount I charge. And it's not that you charge too much. There's a there's a value seesaw, right? Yep. The more value I provide, the more price I can charge. So if I have to charge more money for hiring a staff, well, part of my hiring should bring, they bring value to the customer. The customer should pay for whatever, but if I'm hiring somebody, they don't bring value. That's not the person's fault or the customer's fault. I just haven't thought it through enough. Yep. Love that. Yeah. So much gold there. We could probably spend another hour just on that topic. So uh, thank you for giving us what you've given to us um, uh, so far. One last thing on decisions. I just think that they're so important. Do you personally and or in the business have some sort of a formula that you follow when you make big decisions or just any decision? I do. Um, I have a thing called an impact filter, which uh, I believe I got somewhere through Dan Kennedy or somebody. Yep. Dan and Sullivan. it's a one page or Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Yep. So it's a one page thing. 
And um, man, I, I keep it in Google Drive. So all my decisions are sort of historically lined up there. Each one's a sheet. Love I print it. it out. I forward it to my leadership team and go, here's what I'm thinking about this initiative. Where are my blind spots? I bounce it off peers in the business. And I just keep kind of firing that thing down and distilling and distilling it. That's probably the biggest tool that I use yeah. for making decisions. And then I think if you go upstream of that as a tool, every day, first thing I do is write down you know five things I'm grateful for and five, the most five things I'm going to work on today. And I'm very clear on my daily. I don't live with a long-term calendar. The formula is whatever's burning is going to pop to the top. And as okay. long as I don't uh, focus on urgency versus something important, I don't try to do everything. Is yeah. I can't do everything good today. So it is the one or two things I'm going to do amazing today. Yeah. And um, so that's really the formula. You know, really distill the decisions. Take my time. Make sure they're prioritized into what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, on my computer, you can't see it, but there's a there's a sticker that says, "What's the real issue?" Yeah. Often, the thing that's up is not the real problem. Yeah. So if if you bring me a problem, I'm going to ask you why a lot. Why? 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 You're going to be annoyed, but we're going to drill down to what are we really talking about here. I think often in small business, when we're busy, we solve the wrong problems and it costs us a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that you're right on that for sure. The impact filter, obviously coming from who, not how is just a, such a great tool, great book, uh, great program, obviously from, from Dan, but thank you for sharing that. I think that that's um, super practical. As we transition here to the, to the speed round, I'm really curious on your answers here because we've just aligned on so many things so far, but in your business, first, first speed run answer here, your question is, if you could only choose one metric forever and ever and ever, only one from here going forward, you can only pick one, what would it be? It's a great question because KPI has got to be something that's like simple. I think a lot of people try to follow other people's KPIs and they try to do too many KPIs and you really can't change that many. In my business, we look to three KPIs max like at any point in time in any position. But for me, and it translates to every business in the world, I think, is the revenue per employee. Okay. Yeah. The revenue per employee. So go back to that adding that staff member. If your yeah. revenue per employee is $150,000 or it's $50,000, whatever that number is, you know, when you add that employee, you must go up that much revenue to stay in KPI. Yeah. It's also super easy to measure. I like KPIs that don't require a lot of reporting, but I can go off of things that I have. So to get revenue per employee, it goes off of my revenue, which I should know yep. no matter my business, right? whether it's a cash register or QuickBooks or whatever, I should yep. know my revenue. And then for us, we take in what we call man days or crew days. So payroll, how many hours I paid. If I had paid 400 hours out this week, I know that translates into 40 man days. So if I sold $80,000 and there's 40 man days, I know how much revenue per, per day that I run. And so once you do that, if someone takes 12 months and maps that out, they'll see I made money when my revenue per day per employee was this, and I lost money when my revenue per employee was that. Yep. Your KPI is done. Yep. Now you just got every hiring decision, every management decision. Geez, it's a little slow. Okay, our revenue per play goes down. I got to I got to cut hours, or I got to increase sale. I got to so, do something. Yeah. Yep. So it just is is at your fingertips in any CRM, Love and it. yours and mine will be different based on our industries or the size of our business. Yep. But we know it, and it's also easy for our people to understand. Yeah, I it love takes how no you- training. Yeah, exactly. I love how, and then what it does though, is it ties into a couple of other key things there, mm-hmm. sales being one of them or the, uh, you know, the management of the back end. And so both, both of which are obviously very important, but if you're going to track one, it kind of encapsulates all of it. I love it. If you're going to recommend a book for someone who's trying to get to that million dollar mark, what would you recommend? Uh, Rocket Fuel by Gina Wickman. 
that okay. book uh, is how you kind of to move to the next level in business and move up to seven, eight figures, whatever. You got to understand what you are. So that defines implementer versus visionary. Most of us, I think, are probably fall on the visionary side for opening the business. And so we're passionate. And in that romance phase of our business, we do everything, we try to build it. And we're very successful because we're the ones talking to the customer. We're the ones hiring all the employees and they get what we're saying. But what we find out as we, at least for me, probably you too, maybe just me, when I get to like, (laughs) you're stuck in six figure land, it's because you're a terrible implementer. Yeah. You have these amazing ideas. You got more ideas than you could shake a stick at, but you can't get any of them done. Yep. And so that book really lays that out, helps you identify visionary implementer. And it kind of goes back to what I said with people. As soon as you decide, like in my role, visionary, I'm not a recovering visionary. I'm a visionary. I'm addicted to it. So <laughs> I must surround myself with yeah. implementers. If I hire a visionary for my team, we're going to be doubly ineffective. Yeah. But if I hire the right people, as implementers, they'll take my vision and run with it. And that book is really the first step. And his books will lead you. Then you go to traction, you get all the systems and stuff. But right. that would be the the book to push through six to seven figures to me is rocket fuel. Yep. Love it. Love the, uh, the explanation to go along with. Do you intentionally work uh, or network, sorry, with other entrepreneurs? Do you mastermind? Do you Do you group up together in your local areas, nationally, anything like that? I do. Uh, locally, uh, BNI is a great resource anyone could attend. It's all different businesses, but all businesses have the same struggles. Your podcast is proof of it, right? It doesn't matter if you're an ice cream shop or a shoe store or a contractor, you all relatively have the same pain. The key is for any of those resources is to, to make sure it's a good, successful people. If you hang out with miserable, whiny, excuse-driven people, you're going to be in that group. Facebook has a lot of groups. Just be careful. You know, I would say on Facebook, everyone lives their best life. It's the best <laughs> infomercial going. That's right. Don't believe what you say on Facebook. P- Facebook is a lot of people bragging. So yeah. observe in Facebook and you'll start us in any group. You'll find that guy really or gal really has a different take on things. Again, gravitate towards the, the doers, like no, the can do people, the positive people, not the, oh, here we go again. Blame it on politics, religion, weather. Right. Like yep. that shit's always been there, man. Get over it. Yep. And then- so there's a couple like free or cheap things. And then for me, I do have mastermind groups. I just spent a weekend with uh, 12 business owners and the total revenue in the room was $2.7 billion. It was, awesome. I don't even know how I was in the room, but it was absolutely amazing. And um, there's nothing like having those people. And there's probably pair groups in the industry. Like I have people in my industries where I go to the events, I meet people, I trade business cards. And I'm like, can I come visit your shop? Can I come visit your store? Can you come visit mine? And then you just kind of maintain those things. And other people who are in the similar situation are your best your best resource. So other business owners of any business, I can sit with any business owner and I guarantee you they can help me and I can help them. Even if it's just commiserating over a beer, like, oh, geez, been there, yep. done that. Yep. But um, masterminds are are better than seminars and webinars. Yep. Go talk I, to the people in the trenches. Yeah. No, I, what you just said there, it's that they're going through the same thing you are. Um, 100%. And it's a unique perspective to be able to not just unload, but be able to get feedback or and or hear other people just bantering. Sometimes that's as much valuable to me in certain groups I'm a part of just because it has nothing to do with me personally, but I got to hear of a struggle between two other giants or kings, as I call them. And I got the value of it. So 100%. Very 100%. cool. Okay. So last question, Tom, and I love this question. It's my favorite. That's so why I keep it to the end. But if you lost it all today, the entire business, it's all gone, all the employees, all your implementers, everything, what do you do? 
Uh, the first thing I do is show gratitude forever and having something to lose. Love it. You know, if I, if I didn't have it, I couldn't lose it. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity I've had it. The second thing I think everyone should know is once you've done it, you pop up like a cork in water. You know how to do it. You learned all those lessons. You could lose your money, but you don't lose the knowledge and the lessons of how to do it. So yeah. I'd be grateful. I would think, why is this happening to me? Not in a, oh, why is this happening to me? But things ha- happen for me. They don't happen to me. Yeah. There's a lesson. There's a silver lining. This is going on for a reason. As soon as I can identify that reason, I can latch it and I can accelerate on it. Then I would go to work. People ask all the time. They'll say things like, oh, you're so lucky. And I go, absolutely. They don't know the struggle, but I, I find the harder I work, the luckier I get. So I'd go to work. I would um, pick myself up, dump myself, go to work, and I would focus, focus, focus. And the get rich quick formula is simple. Do the damn work. <laughs> There is no, if you're trying to get rich quick, you're, you're not going yeah. anywhere. So if I lost it all today, yeah, I would be super grateful for have, having had it to lose. Yeah. And I would, uh, and it's relationships too. You know, I, I have employees and I say they're going through a divorce and it's horrible, but be thankful that you were married. Be thankful you have the kids. Be thankful. You, yeah. It's right. time to turn the page, man. Turn the chapter, go to the next one. Yep. The next chapter of your life, it's time to write it how you want it. So yeah. I think every time we have a failure, if you lost it all, it gives you the chance to be the author of your next chapter. And that also back to the hiring thing, that's, I don't have any fear. If I, if it, if this chapter ends in tragedy, I get to write the next chapter, which is absolutely going to be even better than the pre than anything before. Yeah. So, and I have had it all lost it all. And uh, again, I go back to my dad, you know, one point in time, we, had some some big investments go really sideways, and we sat down and shared a whiskey and said, uh, "Man, thank God we had it to lose." Yeah. Now let's go out and do it all over again. So it's probably yeah. not like a very fancy answer, but it is the uh, answer to me. It, yeah, hundred percent. I love the, the the perspective. Really, is what you've given through that answer is not just the what would you do tactically. You gave that as well, but the perspective, at least for me listening, is like the cork in in water is just like. I'm going to pop back up and we know these things, or at least we feel like that's what would happen. But the obviously fear and, and doubt pops in, especially when you've gone through a quote unquote loss like that and you've lost everything. Um, that's why the gratitude piece that you brought in is so, so um, important. And even on a daily basis, I mean, I think gratitude and yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I tell people, especially parents, you have three kids, you can relate. When you're looking at your situation you're in, I say, if your kid was in that situation, what advice would you give them? We all have amazing advice for our kids, but we never give it to ourselves. Right. So right. if your kid didn't make the team, your kid got an F in school, your kid broke up with their girlfriend or boyfriend, your kid, yep. whatever, yep. you'd be like, don't worry about it. You, yep. you would just totally focus on the positives. But when it's happening to you, you feel like I'm a failure. Forget yep. it. What That's advice right. would you give your kids? Go stand in the bathroom, look in the mirror and give it to yourself. That's right. I love and then it. go I, to work. And then go to work. Exactly. Because they tie together. I used to say a very similar thing to my sales clients, um, but then I tr- I've translated it over to uh, my entrepreneur clients. But but it's literally in in what I call this king scroll that I give to all my clients. And it, there's a question. It's, what do you need to tell your... Like, if you were coaching you, basically, what would you tell yourself? And because there's always that one, maybe two, maybe three things where we've been dragging the feet or to your point, moping around or whatever. And we just know that if we had been given advice to somebody else, we would have already told them, Hey, take action, you know, 100%. jump onto it, whatever. <laughs> I have consulting clients who they blame their 
spouse, ex-spouse, mother, father, Everything. weather. And so I listen to it. And especially, you know, if you talk to him for a few times. So one of my favorite questions is, so when does the statute of limitations expire on that issue? Yeah. When, uh, you know, you had a really terrible childhood. I get it. I'm not discounting it. It's a real thing. I'm just wondering what the statute of limitation is on your dad. It's been 30 years, bro. At what point is he no longer responsible? And we're going to do the work. You're going to put in the hard effort yourself to get over it. Because if you look through the annals of successful people, they overcame stuff. Every one of them. It's very rare. The person who just like got a silver spoon and made it into a platinum spoon. They, everyone kind of grinds it. So I, my own kids, the same deal. My, my oldest daughter had a situation. She, she was devastated. I said, you know, I'm so excited for you. She's like, are you crazy? I'm like, this is the <laughs> best news ever. Yeah. You not passing that thing and having that failure. That yeah. just means there's something so awesome behind it. Yeah. We got together. I mapped, we mapped out a plan, showed her how to do it. She stepped out of her comfort zone to do something. And she came away with the most, like so much better than what she didn't get. Yeah. What she lost out on, didn't get hired for. Yep. The next gig was literally double everything yeah. better. That first one would have robbed her of what she and, was actually. She would have been, of. she would have never got to this thing. And so none of us can see that in the moment until we decide to consciously, like I intentionally am going to see things that way. And I know if anyone's listening or watching, I say to people all the time, Chaz, if I said anything other than how great fall man, you step away from me because lightning's going to strike from above. And it's not about how much money I have. It's it's about the total disgratefulness of life. And um, I think that uh, that is the, if, if it all went away, my question is what goes away? Some money, right? Some, a building, Yep. So yeah, you know, what what goes away? You have your health, you have your spouse, you have yourself, you have freedom, you, know, you live in the greatest country in the world. Just pick yeah. yourself up, turn the chapter and start writing the next chapter. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Uh, I think that's an amazing way to cap off the show here, Tom. And so before we end though, um, how can someone connect you? Maybe they've resonated with you and they think that you'd be an awesome uh, voice in their, in their business, or they just want to find you on social and connect with you. How, how do they find you? Uh, you just look up Tom Casey on Facebook or LinkedIn and that I'm, I must've been the first Tom Casey. Cause it's just as fancy as it gets. <laughs> um, you can look up our, uh, my contracting business is griffinservice.com G R I F F I N like the, the mythical creature griffinservice.com. If you want to just kind of check out some of how we think, yeah. um, my email is real simple, Tom at Tom C And, um, I do, I own a consulting business called Comfort Consulting, where I kind of help boutique uh, service businesses, home service businesses, regular service businesses. And it's marketing, sales, and somewhat this. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I always say reality over theory. If you want a lot of fluff and stuff, I am definitely not your man. If you want to be told the truth, yep, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do it. Um, yeah, that's probably that- the best ways. That's great. Well, I, I hope that uh, you as the listener here have been impacted today because uh, you're, you're talking to somebody who has not just been around the King's table once, but multiple times, multiple businesses, multiple generations. And so I hope that you hit the replay button on this one. Um, I hope that you replay all of them, but uh, specifically this one with Tom, I mean, I think that he's given you uh, some not only key things today, but the perspective and mindset that he just gave to you from decades in business is from the horse's mouth. As he just said, he's going to be straightforward with you. So Tom, thank Thank you. We so appreciate everything that you gave to us today. I appreciate it too. Thank you. I'm honored to be a part of it, Chaz. Appreciate it. That's awesome, Tom. We'll talk soon.
Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.